morning and welcome to What We Lose in the Shadows, a father-daughter true crime podcast. My name is Jamison Keys. I'm Caroline. Good morning, Caroline. Good morning. <laughs> Happy Tuesday, everyone. Happy Tuesday. I hope everyone's having a good start of the week so far yeah. and hope it continues going just as well. Did you do anything fun over the weekend? Yes, I play in a uh, kickball league, two kickball leagues, actually, because I can't make decisions that I don't like to say no to people. But um, (laughs) yes, so the first one started for the fall season and we tied our first game. Well, actually, it was the second game, but I didn't go to the first one. So that doesn't count to be. (laughs) So, (laughs) yes, we tied and that was that was good. And it's a team that you lost to last year, right? So Correct. So, yeah. <laughs> well, very good. Well, so since our last episode, our last episode was, of course, um, on Kabakate, who who escaped and had been on the run for almost two months. And he's No, a, two weeks. Two weeks, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, no, two months because he was, he was also, when he was in Brazil, he was kind of hiding from a murder down there. Well, he was hiding from a murder down there, but that was in 2017. Right. But he's been on the run for quite some time. And then in the United States here, he's been. Uh, oh, OK. I see what you're saying. Convicted, but not sentenced. And in the meantime, he, of course, um, had broken out of uh, an escape from a county prison up in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And I talked to my friend in the in, mm-hmm. who was uh, who's a retired a warden. Mm-hmm. And he said, uh, yeah, it's a county prison. It wasn't a state penitentiary. It's a lot harder to escape from a state penitentiary. I mean, I'm glad they can't just walk up the walls there. Like yeah, what? Really. The fact that this walk. guy, yeah. yeah what are you, Michael, the, Michael Jackson's his way up the uh, side of the wall. It's insane. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. So, <laughs> so just for an update, he, he was, um, people were really honestly afraid, as we said last week in the broadcast, um, he had broken into people's houses. He stole a truck and, uh, he was at least 25 miles away. He was still in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And, uh, if you remember the, that he'd broken into one person's house yep. and was in the basement. Mm-hmm. No, he was in their bottom floor. Right in the bottom floor. And I think it was like their kitchen. So the, <laughs> so, and the little girl of the family was absolutely terrified that, you know, he was there and so on and rightfully so. I mean, yeah. But so the good news is, um, and, and even even like even after we recorded last week, he basically walked into a person's garage. And, oh my god! And he grabbed this. This gentleman had a rifle in his garage with a scope and with a flashlight on it, and so on. I'm not sure if it was loaded or not. Unlocked. Unlocked. Uh, so this guy just simply Kavakate simply walked in, picked up the rifle, and took it with him. The homeowner got a few shots off, I guess. Um, missed, but missed. And, uh, he was still on the ride and it just, you know, it seemed to be running amok of all the people looking for him. Cause there oh were literally God. hundreds of police officers. And so I think up for 400, for 400, yeah. over 400, I was going to say $400. <laughs> and apparently he was trying to like when the truck ran out of gas, I guess he doesn't have any, didn't have any money. So when the truck ran out of gas, he started again on foot, stole some more clothes, stole some boots from people has the rifle. Oh um, which God. is fairly important, but the, in the long run, though, they finally used a plane, even though it was a terrible rainy uh, afternoon, evening, mm-hmm. back up in Pennsylvania. Um, they had the the, the FLIR night um, imaging and thermal imaging were able to locate him, surrounded this guy, and even at that point, the guy had been traveling, you know, by walking up and down creek beds and traveling. 
you know, I think he was traveling westward at that point, but he was traveling, you know, at night by the creek beds, stealing things along the way and so on. They were able to find him, uh, kind of encircle him, and he was still trying to crawl through the underbrush to get away from them when they sent in a police dog who quickly found him. Uh, he did try to fight back, and the police dog did what police dogs do and bit him, I guess, on, on the scalp. Oh, my God. Yeah, so... I don't feel bad for him because literally oh, I he, he... murdered two people. He, he murdered... murdered yeah. yeah, he murdered someone's brother, and he murdered his own girlfriend. Disgusting. So, In front of her children. That's, yeah, horrendous. horrendous bite his being. scalp. Go bite, ahead. Bite his <laughs> scalp. Once again, one of the heroes of our adventure is a dog. A dog. Yet, yet again. I literally so. love all the dogs. The dogs can do no wrong. I think the dog's name was Yoda. Hmm. Yeah, so Yoda was a Malinese. Is that right? Mal- Malinois? I'm not. Oh, Malinois. Yeah, yeah, a Malinois, which is a Belgian dog similar to German Aww. Shepherd. Didn't put up with much from this guy, and he quickly surrendered. So... That's great. He's been captured and the people in Pennsylvania are breathing a sigh of relief. I know. It's so sad that it was like impeding on children's education. Right. Disgusting. Today's trigger warnings are domestic violence and murder. So today I wanted to discuss this case because of the misconceptions and the assumptions that we have about those who abuse others. I can only speak for myself, but I'll tell you that when I picture a murderer or an abuser, I typically picture an older white man, or at least an older man. Uh, When I picture a victim, I typically picture a woman or a girl. Yeah, typically speaking, I I think that's the way I picture it as well. I mean, just because of the size difference and the power dynamic between men and women, I tend to you tend to you tend to picture um, people that commit crimes as being stronger and and more often than not men, and that some of that's true. Uh, But then you know, women we tend to picture them more or less as people that are you know have crimes and so on perpetrated against them because of Mm -hmm. the whole power dynamic thing. Right. I think so too. Uh, And I don't want to say that that is, you know, false. I definitely think that that is the case. And we all assume that because there is some truth in that. But today it is not the case. Mm. This case in which one of the murderers just pled guilty to the crime in recent weeks defies my and your assumptions. Today, the abuser is a child and the victim an older man. Wow. That is a difference. Mm-hmm. Gabriel Davies was a 16 year old at the time of the murder. He went to Olympia high school in Washington state. His parents were Kenneth and Amanda Davies, and they were married and then divorced in 2009. The divorce was not amicable to say the least. There are records of some type of abuse happening within the family and a messy custody battle between the two parents um, for Gabriel and his sister. The sources did not expand upon who was being abusive. So again, I lean back on my assumptions. Probably the man. Right, exactly. (laughs) Typically, typically. But I don't want to say always, of course. You you know, that's funny because um, it's interesting because I know that you and I both listen to Crime Junkie. Mm -hmm. And uh, they used to actually even have a shirt, and they may still on on their website that says, the husband did it. I mean, it's true. It often is very true. Um, but I wanted to point out this case because it's not always true. True. So Amanda, Gabriel's mom, started dating a new man in later years. Her new boyfriend was named. They're they're coming to get him. Can you hear that? I wonder if they can hear that. That's we are literally recording in my place, which is um more urban. Yeah, (laughs) it's so funny. It probably sounds different too because like. 
She has higher ceilings. Yeah. She lives in a fancy place. <laughs> Not even. <laughs> um, uh, so Gabriel and his sister were living with Amanda, his mom and her mom, and Daniel on and off for a few years. Kenneth, the kid's father, was upset with this. He felt that Daniel was unsafe and was irritated when he was around his children. And he made this opinion well known. Later on, Amanda and Daniel decided it wasn't working out and broke up. Amanda and the children moved out of the house where they had lived with Daniel after the breakup. This was only a few months before the story that I'm about to tell you happened. On August 31st, 2022, Gabriel Davies was reported missing to the Thurston County Sheriff's Department. Again, this is in Washington State. Mm -hmm. This was due to him not showing up for football practice. So this is the child. His car was found abandoned later that day, stirring a lot of panic. He was later on found unharmed the next day, September 1st. And police found it strange to begin with, but later they would find it suspicious. Mm. So the next day, same day that he was found, so September 1st, 2022, police showed up at the home of Daniel McCaw. So this is the ex-boyfriend of his mom, of, of Gabriel's mom. The police showed up to conduct a welfare check on McCaw. He had failed to show up for work the last few days. Immediately after entering the, entering the home, they found Daniel's body. So that's the ex-boyfriend's. Oh. Just looking at him, the authorities could surmise that he had been shot and stabbed. Wow. Yeah, very brutal. They realized this had become a homicide investigation and started looking for Gabriel immediately. Um... The interesting thing was that these with these newer cases where people are injured or killed in their homes is that oftentimes they have surveillance footage in their homes. Right. Which is rare, you know, when we're talking about these cases, because oftentimes we're talking about things that happened 10 or more years ago. Right. Um, but this one, he had surveillance cameras in his home. So the police, of course, reviewed this footage after realizing that was the case. And what they saw would incriminate Gabriel and his friend Justin Yoon in the murder of Daniel McCaw. Oh, okay. So that's why there are two different weapons used. Yes. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, they saw two boys climbing through the home, into the home, through a dog door at around 2 a.m. on August 28th. Oh my God, that's terrifying. It is terrifying. It's really scary. And I've uh, now realize that I will never have a dog door <laughs> ever, ever. Absolutely not. Not that uh, Mr. Goose needs one, but no. he, he later when we have a home, he definitely is not getting one. So at two forty one, the police see the victim, Daniel stumbling from a detached garage into the home. Seven minutes later, two forty eight, they see the two boys running back and forth from the house to the garage and then leaving quickly at two fifty one. Only a few minutes later. That would have been two days before Gabriel was reported missing. One person in the Davies family, the source didn't specify who, said the two boys were camping the 27th and the 28th at a lake with friends and family. Interesting. They also said that the two boys left August 28th at midnight and did not return until 630 in the morning. So motive time? Motive being... Um, I'm not sure. Was the was the was the former um, stepfather abusive in any way to the family? Or we to don't know. The, okay. I don't think so. That wasn't mentioned. But 
I think they did that. Like they were trying to have an alibi. Like they thought the people that they went with would give them an alibi, but they literally told them, no, they were missing for six hours. Wow. Stupid. Like, I mean, and I think that like the, they tried to do like a last minute hail Mary, like, Oh my God, but he's missing now. And it's just like, no, he was missing after he was already dead. Like, right. it's just, I don't know. I think they just like tried last minute things and, and it's just, it didn't work out for them. Well, it's so, so the, the whole approach is kind of a, more of a, a child, um, something a child would come up with, you know, but just wait, I think, uh, there was help from someone who is not a child. Oh shit. <laughs> just maybe with childlike, uh, intelligence. They left again. So they arrived back at the, um, lake house at the campsite at 6 30 AM the next morning. Super sketchy. They left again at 11.45 a.m. And then he was reported missing two ah, days later. Okay. The Gabriel, right. the young child. Right. At uh, this point, he's running. Yeah, exactly. But then he was found unharmed. Um, in a turn of events, Kenneth, Gabriel's biological father, called the police to tell them that he believed Gabriel was involved in Daniel's murder. Yikes. Yes. His story was a bit wild, but I'm going to tell it to you. He said that he believed that Daniel McCaw's biker buddies coerced the boys into stealing something from Daniel's home. He said that McCaw's biker friends pulled Gabriel from his truck and smashed his face on the side of the car to intimidate him into cooperating. He also said that they beat him up in the back of a Suburban and stole his shoes. Okay. So this is the dad claiming that this happened to his son and they were Macaw's friends trying to convince the young boy to go inside and steal stuff from their friend. Was the dad trying to give him an, a reason or some yeah, sort of a defense? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. They were just trying, they were trying everything at this point. He also claimed that Yoon, the other boy was the one who killed Macaw. Like the dad claimed, mind you, he didn't say he was there. Like he's just like, yeah, no, it wasn't my son who killed him. It was the Yoon. other boy. Yeah, that's his last name. Gotcha. Y-O-O-N. So Daniel was involved with a motorcycle gang called the Amigos Motorcycle Club. This club was a support club for the Bandidos Motorcycle Club. Oh, which, they're, they're an outlaw band. Yeah, I don't I don't understand what that means, being a support club to another motorcycle club. So um, it feels like JV and varsity sports. Well, no. So, so basically um, in terms of bikers, and I don't want to get off too much on a tirade here, but so there are different kind of bikers. There are, well, no, they're, they're I'm literally learning this with you guys. Right. So I'm, I'm just as confused. So there are different kind of biker gangs, right? Some are just motorcycle clumps. MC, when you see MC on the back of, of someone's, um, you know, whatever they're wearing a coat or leather vest or whatever. Right. Um, they call that, um, they call that their cut, you know, the, the, the leather vest that you see. So there are different thing, parts of the top rocker, the top arch lettering yeah. names, the mo- the motorcycle club, mm-hmm. hell's angels, banditos, whatever. Um, MC in that word means motorcycle club. Mm-hmm. And then on the bottom half of the rocker, the bottom rocker, you'll see where they're actually from. So Los Angeles, you know, Pittsburgh, wherever, yeah. right? And then, I like how those are two go sit two go to cities: Los well, Angeles and then Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm from one and and um, not familiar with the other, but um, no. <laughs> so basically, um, there's a patch there. Also, it is a one and a percentage sign, meaning one percenters. And what that basically means is that the vast majority of motorcycle clubs are just there for men that or, or women that like to, you know. 
ride motorcycles. motorcycles, Yeah. The one percent patch means they're criminal, meaning that one put that on. They put that on their on their on their voluntarily. Yeah. On the yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that just means they're dangerous, right? What the hell? Why would they put that on there? It's it's a it's a macho thing. Oh. So yeah, so. Banditos are, as far as I'm aware, uh, an outlaw motorcycle club. And then they can have other people that are associated with them, but not necessarily into crime or violence or whatever. Interesting. A subservient group. Interesting. Okay, so he wasn't a one percenter. So he wasn't in the criminal group. Right. He was in the support group. Right. Which I don't know why we're supporting criminals. Interesting. So this being said, there's no evidence that the motorcycle club was ever involved with the murder. And it feels like, like we mentioned, just an attempt at a cover up some last minute. Half-assed. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm like, you can't half-ass your way out of murdering someone. Right. Although hopefully no one ever gets out of murdering anyone, period. Oh, we know that's not true. September 2nd, 2022, the day after... Authorities discovered McCaw. Gabriel and Justin were taken into police custody, and they were charged with the following. First-degree murder, second-degree murder, first-degree robbery, and unlawful possession of a firearm. This brings us to recently when the two boys pled guilty to the second-degree murder charge. The other charges were dropped if they agreed to plead guilty. Daniel showed the police where he and Yoon hid what they stole from Macaw, which was two guns. So they did this over two guns. Wow. It's, it's very depressing. The sentencing recommendation was 123 months, and I'm not sure why they didn't say that, but in years, it's 10 years and three months each, which I'm confused about. I don't. I just don't understand why they decided to count it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but it seems really light. Well, they are juveniles, right? Yes. I mean, I guess, but they're 16. It's not like they're like young, like eight. You know, it's strange. Well, juveniles are juveniles. They, but they're 16. Like, they're well, old enough they're to know. Well, they're on the cusp. I, I agree. You know because, what I mean? Yeah, because sometimes they choose to to um, charge juveniles or, or treat them as adults. And I think if, they kind of should have. Yeah, in a murder case. In absolutely. a murder case. Right. Because let's face it. How old are they? They're 15 or 16? Uh, 16. Okay. They so, were 16. Um, so, so basically, they are... Right on the cusp of adulthood. I mean, they understand what they're doing. Absolutely. Yeah. They, they know they know the difference between right and wrong. Yeah. And, and the, the worst part is they took this guy's life. That's insane. And they'll be out when they're 26. Oh, my God. Still relatively young people. Yeah, exactly. That's so scary. There's no equity in that. No, there's not. And, yeah. you know, the thing is, is that I can understand, you know, uh, charging, like reducing sentences for minor things like... Right. Marijuana possession, if you live in a place where marijuana is not legal, um, or like small time little things, stealing, like I get that, or like joyriding a car, like that's dangerous, but like that's not murder. You know what I mean? Like that's, I know that you just had your car stolen. I just stolen. had my car stolen, so I'd probably be, <laughs> if I'm the judge in that case, it'd probably be a little pretty, pretty hefty sentence, but yes. Yeah, judges are supposed to be unbiased, so mm-hmm. I guess it's good that you're not the judge in that's right. this case. Absolutely. In most cases, to be honest. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like those are different things. Those are like relatively low victimless crimes. I mean, although, you know, the the car is, you know, and it can be dangerous, but you know, murder, 
then do you know what you're doing? And that's not just like something that like a child does. Like that's not, you know what I mean? Like if, if someone told me that their child stole someone's car, I'd be like, Ooh, that's a lot. But like, if someone told me that their child murdered, like, you know what I mean? That's totally different. Right. That's a sociopath. It's crazy. Yeah. And in no way, shape, and form am I saying that children stealing cars is good or normal. That's not good. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm just saying there's a big difference between that and uh, taking someone's life. It's it's crazy. So sad. Absolutely. So they have not been sentenced. This was the judge's recommendation. Uh, They will be sentenced this year, um, November 6th, 2023. The last thing I wanted to point out was um, how interesting I thought that the police decided to leak the names of the two boys because typically minors' names are concealed until they're of age. Right. And we see that in other cases too. I thought this was a law, but I did look into it and it's not. Uh, A court tries its best to keep the names concealed, but if the names are leaked in an appropriate way, the media has every right to print. And in that case, I'm... I'm surprised it doesn't happen more often because like I feel like oftentimes the media can be they're not going to conceal things. You know what I mean? Like they're like, it's the right of the public to know. Right. Like that's their motto. Yeah. Whole freedom of freedom of press. And I get that. I support that. Um, But I'm just surprised it doesn't happen more often since it's not a law. I thought it was a law. Right. But it's not. Well, yeah. But I mean, since it's a capital murder case, then can you actually conceal their names? I'm not sure. They are in that one. We still need to record. We tried to record a case, um, but it was like right when we were getting the podcast off the ground. And so it was the case of Brianna Jai mm, right, in, in UK. Britain, yeah. yeah, somewhere in the U. Yeah, I think it was in Britain. And they concealed the two um, murderers. Yeah. yeah, their names because they were underage and they yeah. still haven't been leaked. Well, but that's a totally different country. That's a totally different judicial system. So, yeah, I guess. But I feel like here they often will conceal names sometimes. Yeah. And so I just, I thought this was an interesting case because it, it took my um, assumptions and my biases and kind of flipped them on its head. And I think it's important to recognize that, you know, little kids, you know, 16 year olds and teenagers can be dangerous. They can be dangerous. And so we need to make sure that that we're holding accountable uh, teenagers for their wrongdoings in high school. Right. So if they're violent in high school, like that's something to be, that's something that people don't grow out of, in my opinion. I don't think that oftentimes kids grow out of being violent. Right. Because um, it's something that happened well before maybe you were even born, um, you know, some of the, some of the school massacres, uh, yeah. Dylan Klebold and those people out and was that Columbine? Oh Yeah. They were both, uh, they were both uh, children, basically. They were still in high school. Yeah. And they, they did committed mass murder. So, yeah, I mean, we think that, we think we understand who criminals are and what the face of criminals look like. But once again, you just never know. You got to be careful. Exactly. And I also do this to point out the fact that we often think of these people as like loners in society, like they are, you know, people that we didn't go to school with, but oftentimes they are. And even in this case, they still were in high school. Right. So, you know, you have to be careful even when you think like because you're going to work with someone or because you're going to school with someone that they're safe, but they are not. And you still need to make sure that you 
have your guard up. Right. Or, or conversely, just because they happen to ride motorcycles around and wear leather jackets, that doesn't necessarily mean that they are. Um, no, definitely even, not. No, uh, I think that <laughs> that was a random little <laughs> last minute cover up that he'd really thought he could do the dad of, of, um, that's so juvenile. I mean, that, that's, I it mean, is. that's, that's what a, I mean. That's like something a kid would come up with. I know. That's when, when you said, like, it sounds like a kid came up with that. I was like, but wait, <laughs> it's actually a child and his father that oh, came wow. up with that. <laughs> so yikes, I guess. Except for, wait a minute. So, you know, many, many, many folks that actually love motorcycles and ride motorcycles, just normal people, you know, just everyday citizens, except if they have what on their, on their, Patch, the one percent. There we go. <laughs> Lesson of the day. There we go. Follow the show on whatever streaming site you're listening on. And remember, all of the source material will be available in the show notes. And follow us on Instagram at What We Lose in the Shadows, and let us know if you want to hear a specific case, or if you just want to give us some feedback. Okay, join us in the shadows next Tuesday. Bye.